Praise God. Get your Bibles out. Go. I'm going to give you some scriptures here, and then I'm just going to start preaching. Uh, Psalms 139. I want you to turn to Psalms 139, verse 7. I got a message that I want to share with you this morning. It fits in with uh, the last several weeks of, of preaching. It, it definitely fits in with uh, being ravenous for the Lord, desperate for the Lord. It also fits in with being supernatural and who God has called you to be. But uh, look, I don't, I don't, this message, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't even put a, I didn't even put a verse down this morning until like 8.30 this morning because I've just been chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it, trying to say, Lord, how do you want this message to go? How do, how do you, how do you, not what I want, but what do you want, Lord? How do you want me to preach this message to the people? And um, I really feel like this message that I'm going to share with you this morning has got a lot of uh, power to it. I feel like if you, if you grab it, if you can get hold of it, if you'll take it by faith, okay? I believe people will be set free. I believe people's things that have burdened you, yokes that have burdened you in life, that when you hear the words of this message can just set you free. You can just be delivered. I, I, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me the other day that, God, that he was going to start to move more in a, in a sovereign manner where he just sat down upon the people and, and, and moved. You know, kind of like the Acts 10 experience where Peter's getting up there trying to preach his canned message. No offense, Peter, but it was you were trying to preach a canned message. And then God had a different plan and the Holy Spirit just came in and fell down on everybody. And everybody started speaking in tongues. And P Peter's kind of like, I don't know what to do now. I said, they've done this out of order. I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to get, uh, make an altar call. They come to the front. We take them a water baptism, and then they get full of the Holy Ghost. Now they've already done it this way. I don't know what to do. Uh, let's just take, go to the river. <laughs> just dunk them all, okay? I don't know. And so I, I feel like God's going to do that. Listen to me. I believe that we're in a time in life. I'm not predicting dates. I'm not predicting how. I'm not predicting what. But I believe that in the next 14 months, we're in a, a, a time that you are going to see lawlessness abound, but you're going to see God abound. You're going to see God arise and his enemies be scattered, okay? But all of you know that even in a war zone and you're winning the war, it's still ugly around you. And I believe we're going to have some ugly around us. I believe there's going to be some, some things that are going to shock you. I think there's going to be some things happen that you're going to be, wow, I never thought that, okay? And so anyway... In all the midst of that, you have to know who God is. Now, hear me now. I told y'all from, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago when I was preaching about your posture, your position through these end times. And this message can fit in there, too, uh, of, of posturing yourself. Because I'm telling you, there's a way that we have to face this. And you cannot win the battle running down the street, screaming, pulling your hair out, saying, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? All right? It's time for Christians to rise up and it's time for us to stand up and say, wait a minute. This God I serve is real. I saw a, a, a short video the other day of this atheist and I stopped to watch it just because I want to see what his, his remarks were. And basically, I'm going to cut it in short. Uh, basically, what he was saying was you could take all the science books in the world and you could take them and you could burn them. 
And then you could take all the religious books in the world and you could take them and you could burn them. And then mankind could exist for a thousand years. And this is why he knows science is right. Because after a thousand years, mankind would have rewritten the science books and they would be the same. But they would not rewrite the religious books and be the same. This is what he said. And I thought to myself, how do you know that? First of all, how do you know that inside the heart of man? And then it just hit me. As soon as I said, as soon as I said how do you know that? It's, I said, oh, wait a minute. He doesn't believe God's real. It's a folk tale. It's a fairy tale. It's not real. It's not, it's not really believing that there is a creator that created mankind, that put the stars in the sky. I, you know, you all know I talked about the stars all the time. And I got to laughing the other day. I said, you know, Lord, you've made the first movie theater. You've got all the stars up here, and then you've got them looking like, like lions and, and tigers and bears. And, 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 and you sit there, and then they all rotate around you. First open-air movie theater going by there. Got all kinds of things going on in the sky. Are you all with me? We serve a God that's that awesome. But see, if you don't believe God's real then it's just a fairy tale or it's just church or it's just you're trying to help yourself to be a morally right person. You believe in morally good, right? Then why? It becomes a fairy tale to you. You're not going to receive anything. But if you just that one change, that by faith you know that God is real, that Jesus is Lord, right? Then it changes everything. So when I preach this message to you this morning, if you put yourself in that position saying, God, you are real, you are awesome, you're in charge. It's not, a, it's not a secondary thing. It's the top of the list. Then I guarantee you that, that, that your faith connecting with the power of God. Here's another one. Jesus walking down the road one day. He's got a crowd of people all around him. And this woman sneaks up, right, and has the issue of blood. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. He touches, she touches Jesus, and then Jesus stops and says, whoa, 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 who touched me? Peter said, what do you mean who touched me? And he got a crowd of people all bumping up against you and whatever. I mean, what do you mean who touched you? But what he was saying was who touched me in faith? Because he turned to the woman and said, she finally stood up and said, it was me. And he said, woman, great is your faith. Well, it said he perceived that power went out of him when she touched him. Jesus didn't know about the woman. Hear me now. Hear me now. Hear me now. I'm preaching good because I just feel like preaching today. That woman, that woman didn't get, didn't, didn't, there was no word. There was no, there was no laying on of hands. There was nothing except she touched the power of God. Or she touched the vessel containing the power of God. Faith is the key to everything. Faith, when your faith is turned on, man, God can speak to you. So as I preach this, I'll get to it in just a second. But these verses I'm going to read to you in the very first, the way the Lord, this is the only three I have that I had this morning. The only three that I, I know that God told me, I want you to read these verses to the people. So I'm believing when I read these verses to you, whoever's watching out there, listening out there, you sitting in here this morning, that you're going to get something. So here I go. Psalms 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say... 
Surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. And the darkness as the light, both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So no matter where you go, no matter how, how far away you've gotten from the Lord. You know, there's this horrible thing going on, and I saw the video coming out of Philadelphia where these people are taking this certain drug. I don't remember what the name of it was. But it's, it's called, nicknamed the zombie drug, because they take this drug and it so paralyzes their whole mind and their brain that they find these people just slumped over in the street. They're still alive, but they're just incapacitated, totally, totally out of it. And, and they say it's so addictive, so addictive, that if you've ever even taken one pill of this drug, you're addicted for the rest of your life. And it literally incapacitates them. It showed pictures of videos of people, all homeless people and people down the streets just slumped over with their hands over. Some standing just like this, just like this with their hands hung down, just totally out of their minds. So no matter how far you've gone from God, listen to me, God's still there. If you're out there watching and, or listening to this, and listen to me tell you something, you think, I've done too much, I've gone too far, God can't love me. I'm going to tell you something that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because I want to tell you something, nowhere can you go that God can't get to you. I'll read the next scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, another verse here, a New Testament verse, stating that there is nowhere that you could ever be if you ever think, well, God couldn't love me because I did this. Listen to me. God loves you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Hello? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. you got to understand what the devil always wants to do is when hard times come, so many times we turn to the Lord and say, why is this happening to me? Because we look at everything as we're, we want to be comforted. We want to live in comfort without any problems. And American Christians judge their walk with the Lord based upon how their level of comfort has been maintained. Hello, am I right? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, none of us want to be discomforted. None of us do. I, but I've gotten, like, even I've gotten to the place that I, I, I almost want to say, God, man, have, did you turn the sun up or what? I'm tired of sweating. Hello? No matter where you are, we all want to be in comfort. We all want it to be, you know, 70 degrees or whatever. But no matter what, you got to understand, no matter where you are, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're thinking right now, you have to understand the word of God is true. God is real, and he loves you. You are loved by God. He said, oh, nobody loves me, but dog don't even love me. No, you're loved by God, and nothing, 
can separate you from God's love. Now I want to read one more. Romans 8.31. It says, And what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So what I'm showing to you or what the Spirit of the Lord is showing to you in these verses is, first of all, there's nowhere you can go that you can be away from his presence. There's nowhere, nothing can separate you from his love. He loves you. He's always going to love you. Even if you don't love him, even if you reject him, he still loves you. Hello? And he loves you so much that he sent his son to save you and give you, everybody say it with me, all things. Wow. All things. In other words, it's not like, okay, just get in here and be quiet. Sit down over there in the corner. That isn't how you got into heaven. My little dog I got, she's a psycho. And I wanted to teach her to fetch. And so I got, I got a little ball, and, and I started teaching her. And at first, she didn't kind of understand. You know, I throw the ball, and she's like, what? Who's the ball for, you know? And then I said, no, go get it. And so I, I worked with her. And so got, but now she's gone into psycho mode. And uh, she... She's, she's, she's obsessed with the ball. And so I cannot sit peacefully anywhere. In the morning as I'm praying, I'm having to throw the stupid ball because the dog is up there. And so, so she gets it and she runs up there and she, she, she drops it very, very uh, what, what's the word, very accurately. She, she, it's not like she just throws it up and lets it roll. No, she gets it right up to my foot. And then if I don't, Reach down to pick the ball up to throw it. Then she walks and then she puts it on top of my foot. And then she sits in a frozen position. I mean, not moving, not moving an inch. No matter what I say to her, I can say anything to her. And she's keyed in on that deal. And if I move my foot a little bit, she's. And you might as well throw it. The only, only way you can get to get her is when it's so hot. I just throw it. And then she drops it. And I throw it 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 and throw it. And then finally she gets hot and says, okay, like that's really enough. And she goes and puts a ball down and crawls in her little bath, her little swimming pool, and won't come back. What I'm trying to say to you is that's the way we need to be as Christians, so persistent with God. We know he's our answer. We know he's, he's it. We're there. We're focused. We're sitting there. He moves to the left. I mean, you can't, you can't put this ball on the ground and kick it past that dog. That dog is going to get it. Like I mean, I, can, I need to enter into it, at least a circus. That's how we need to be. And when I see her and I see how attentive she is, and I think, man, how Christians, we're just all like this lackadaisical and everything. This dog's intense. And she's intense at 5 o'clock in the morning. She's wanting this ball thrown. I mean, it ain't no lazy dog. Are we like that? This is what God, this, I'll tell you why I want to be like that and stay like that. It's because this is what the word says. There's nowhere I can go from his presence. His love is always there for me. He wants to, you know, give all things to me but through Jesus Christ, right? But yet I know, and you don't have to go turn there because I'm just going to brush over it. In Romans chapter 6, I mean Romans, Revelations chapter 6 verse 14, it says there's people left in the end times that when the heavens roll back like a scroll, they will crawl under caves and crawl in rocks and say, flee from us, we don't want you in our life. To God. So I know there's people on this earth that do not want to serve God. And I'm like, all right, then 
We, God still loves you. doesn't change that. Nowhere you go down that road is he not going to be there for you. If you don't want him, you can reject him. That's your free will choice. But I just want you to know you'll reject somebody who absolutely loves you. Okay? So now I'm going to change a little bit. Okay, so not only does God love you, not only does God, you know, have all this for you, you have to understand something. There's one of the most beautiful books in the Bible is the book of Ruth. And if you've never read the book of Ruth, you know, it's only four chapters. Literally, you can read it in just 10 minutes. If you've never read it, you need to read it. As of today, it's your assignment. You need to read the book of Ruth. And in it is the most beautiful plan of redemption that God uses this story of this woman named Ruth and, and expounds it to us for us to understand what redemption means. Okay? And I want to show you this because it's so beautiful because I believe what happens to us a lot of times as Christians, we get saved, we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, we're headed for heaven, but we don't lose the, the imagery in our minds of who we were in the past. Like if I go, I was raised in Sabinal. Went to school in Sabinal. If I go to Sabinal, I mean, there's still people that look at me like, something happened. I mean, that, ooh, that ain't the guy I know. Because they all say, how did you become a preacher? We had the class, we had our, whatever it was, 40-year class reunion. I don't remember what it was. It was long, too. I'm too old. But anyway, and everyone in there was just like, how did you become a preacher? And I'm like, well, you want me to tell you the story? And I just baited them into it. So then I got to preach to my class. You know? I mean, it was awesome. But I just want you to understand something. I, the old man died. And who I am now has similar looks to him. But inside has gotten changed. Okay? And it's a story of redemption. And so when they would say, yeah, don't you remember what you did? And I said, well, that was the other guy. I didn't do that. So I want you to turn, find the book of Ruth, book of Ruth, chapter 1. And I want to show you that God always has a plan for you. He has a plan to redeem you. If you're, in, if you're listening to this message, watching, and you have done something wrong, and you feel guilty, and it's something that, that, that plagues you all the time and the devil uses it against you. You made a mistake, you did something you know, you made a wrong calculation. You, you did the wrong thing. You know you did the wrong thing. You've asked Jesus to forgive you. You've, you've, you've prayed. You've done this. But, and you feel you know, like, okay, you're doing better, but you just don't really feel like you're clean from it. You're still marred by it. You're still marked by it. You're going to love this message. Now, I don't want to read all the book of Ruth. You have to do that yourself. But in this chapter 1, it starts out that this family that was Jewish... There's a famine in the land, so they went to the land of Moab, and there they, 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 they found a place to, to farm or found a living somehow and could survive because there was a bad famine going on in Israel. And so they had two sons, and the two sons married two women there from Moab, okay, in a different country, different land, different tribe, different people, all right? And so Ruth... I mean, uh, Naomi was the, the mother, and her husband dies. And she's got her two sons and her two daughter-in-laws. Now, if you've read this, you know the story. If you hadn't ever read the book of Ruth, just kind of follow along with me. 
And so there's just the two sons and the two daughter-in-laws, and then the two sons die. So that's nobody left but Naomi, the mother, and Ruth, and then the other sister-in-law, Ophrah, okay? And so they come to this place where, like, like she's lost. She has no family with her. There's no man family with her. She's got her two daughter-in-laws. And so she tells them, look, girls, I'm old. I'm not going to have any more kids. Even if I could have a kid, kid can't grow up and be your husband. And I love you. You're my, you know, my daughter-in-laws, and I love you. You've been a part of our family, but you're not going to get any provision or anybody to help out of me. So you might as well go back to your families, and I'm just going to go back to Israel. And so the one daughter-in-law, Ophrah, she says, well, all right then, and kisses her and leaves. All right? But Ruth, look at verse 16, 16. Ruth says something here, which I believe are the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful words in, this, in the Bible. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now that is, a, that is a statement of what it looks like to be desperate for God. To say, I'm not leaving no matter what takes place. No matter. See, so many Christians want to serve Jesus only if it benefits them. But to say, I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God, whether things are going good with me or things are going bad with me. No matter what, Lord, I'm serving you. I mean, folks, we've got to look back at history. There used to be the Sunday evening practice of feeding Christians to the lions. Did God forsake those people? Did God not love those people? Did they do something that was really bad so they got eaten by a lion? Why? When y'all do that to me, it's like a vacuum just turned on and like just kind of suck the air here. I don't like it. I don't like the way it feels when y'all get that quiet. I do not care. Some of y'all say, oh, we're just we're taking it in. Don't do it. You took too much in. It sucked the air out. I feel like y'all are going to, you know, have those rocks in your pocket I gave you last week and start throwing them. I'm just purely stating a fact here, folks. Listen to me. I, if God is real, God's real. And if Jesus is real, he's real. And nothing's going to change that. Whether the government's for us or against us, whether they're, they're trying to hunt us down, it don't make no difference. Whether my air conditioner works or it doesn't work, or we have electricity or we don't, or we're eating out of a can. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is still God and he's still real. In that you have to find, here we go, God's plan of redemption. Because he is a God who always redeems. In all the, listen, oh, y'all missed it, you missed it, you missed it. In all that's going on, in all the chaos, and all the stuff that may be happening in your life, you've got to look for God's plan for redemption. God always has a plan for redemption for you. In the garden, in Genesis chapter 3, when everything got messed up, immediately God's already got a plan of redemption. God is a redeemer. He wants to redeem you. He wants to get back more. Remember, I just read it. Romans 8, all things, right? He wants to give you all things. 
He wants to redeem you. Right now, God has a plan for redemption for you, to redeem you. Now, you got to understand something. Look down at verse 22. So, so Ruth says, okay, let's go. So she goes. She takes, uh, uh, I mean, Naomi says, let's go. And she takes Ruth with her, and they go back to their hometown, and they get there. All right? I want you to read what verse 22 says. So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabitist, her daughter-in-law, with her. Do you notice that they put that in there? In other words, they labeled her. She was not Jewish. She was a Moabite. But they labeled her. That's how she was known as Ruth the Moabitess. So they came, it says at the end of that, they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Listen to me. I don't know what has scarred you in life. I don't know what's tried to put a label on you in life. I don't know if you've been labeled as a bluser, a, a, a grump, a, 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 you know. I mean, I could think of some other ones, but that might be close to curse words and I'll stay away from those. Hello? I don't know what you've been labeled in life. Crazy? Inconsistent? Drug addict? Alcoholic? I don't know what the world's tried to label you as. All right? Because they tried to label Ruth as Ruth the Mobitus. Now you got to understand something. That's pretty bad. You can just write it down. But in Genesis 19.36 is a story where when Lot leaves Sodom and Gomorrah and they take off and his daughters, well, the Bible says it a little better, so let me read it. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. Their firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, and he is the father of the Moabites to this day. Ruth's lineage went back to incest from Lot. Pretty bad, right? This is who Ruth was, but wait a minute, there's something about Ruth. She had bowed her heart, if you let me say, and said, look, wait a minute, Naomi, I'll go back with you to your land, and I'll serve your God, and I'll be faithful to you, and I'll die there. And I'll, what? She gave her, give this to me, she gave her heart to Jesus. You see what I'm saying? She made the right choice. She said, I'll go back, and your God will be my God. Okay, chapter 2. So it says there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, the family of Emelech. His name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain rather after him in, those in, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said, go, my daughter. Now you got to understand something. It was already written in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. God had already instructed Israelites when they were harvesting their fields to don't harvest the edges and the sides and pick everything up for let the poor go into the land and come after the harvesters and be able to get something to eat if they were willing to work for it. So Ruth says, I'm going to go out to this man who's got this big farm. His name's Boaz, and I'm going to go out there. And, 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 and because of the Jewish rites, see, now she's... she's I don't know this, but let's just say she's reading her Bible. She found out that it's part of what the covenant says. So she's taking a part of that. And she says, man, it says right here, I can go out there to his field and glean the hedgerows, and I want to go do that. So she goes out there, and she does. So she's working. She's picking up little barley seeds off the ground, everything that the reapers dropped, missed, and in the corners where they didn't get to. Okay? And so she's, she's, <laughs> she goes out there, and verse 11 says... Boaz begins the question, who's that lady over there? 
And Boaz answered and, and, and said, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people to whom you did not know. And the Lord will repay your work and full reward be given to you by the Lord of, of, of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She had integrity. And it came out in the midst of it. And Boaz saw it. And everybody was talking about it. I said, oh, yeah, that's, that's so Ruth over there. She's something. She came back, left her family, left everything, came back over here. And that, got, that took notice. Listen to me. God takes notice when you become desperate for him. You want to tell me that heaven doesn't know exactly who you are? Listen to me. You are not, you're not hiding anything. God knows everything. But also that means God knows everything. See, why do we always take the scripture of John 10, 10? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we run off. Ah, the devil's killing, steal, and destroy. He's after me. That old devil is chasing me. He's outside the door. He's coming out here. He's knocking on my door. He did this. He did that. He broke my car. He tore this up. Why do we go through that deal and not just read what the rest of the verse says? It says, a thief, yes, does come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus speaking, I have come to give you life. And life more abundantly. So why isn't John 10, 10 the scripture that we say, Thank you, Lord, for giving me life and life more abundantly. But you say to any Christian, what is, Do you know what John 10, 10 says? Yeah, the old devil will come to kill, steal, and destroy. Why aren't we saying, Yeah, that's the scripture where abundant life is coming to me. When I wake up this morning, Woo, Lord, abundant life is mine. Because we're negative people. We still have this flesh nature attached to us where we want to look at everything negatively and say, oh, my gosh, my glass is empty. It's going to run out. Here a few Sundays ago, you know, if you have never experienced this by living in the country, you've not experienced life. So we wake up on Sunday morning. It's always on a Sunday morning that this happens. We didn't have any water. And so to wake up on a Sunday morning... You're, I'm, I'm trying to prepare myself mentally to come to preach. I want to be happy. I want to not have an issue to deal with. And when you turn the faucet on, it just goes drip, drip. You, I mean, it don't make me too happy. But I handled it really well. My wife said I handled it really well. It's probably the best I've ever done. And so I found it out and, and went and searched and looked and, and whatever. And thank God I know well people. <laughs> and uh, my first inkling was, ooh. I think the well may have gone dry. That was my first inkling when I just that's assessing the situation. Which, what do I know? But I know enough to pray. Oh, man. I mean, my prayers got turned down. Oh, Jesus, come on. Man, I don't care where you got to break a stream of water loose, man. It's got to come up and send me a new vein, Lord. Whatever. I ain't going to put up with this. Well, after all my praying and all the stuff done, I'd like to report to you that God, you know, would have done something like that and did it, but it was a switch. And we got it, they got me straightened out, water got flowing again. But that panic, see, why did I go negative? Because that's what we all do as Christians. We freak out and we go negative. Why don't we get up and say, oh, my Lord, don't make any difference. Man, you God, you're going to supply all of my needs according to my riches and your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God, you love me. Thank you, Lord, that I know that your love is abounding towards me today. Lord, I feel it. I feel it like... The hot sun on the back of my neck, Lord, I feel your love surging through me. And I'll tell you why we don't say it. 
Because we don't understand God's plan of redemption. Anything you lost, God wants to replace. We don't understand it. We don't walk in it. We let ourselves be scarred and be the, the person born in incest. The person with the scar on their life and walk around as victims all the time. I'm so sick of everybody being a victim. Everything you see out there in the world and everything, everybody's a victim. Oh, my God, we're a victim of this. We're a victim of that. You know, 100 years ago, my grandfather was a slave. Well, dear Lord, you're not. You live in America, the greatest place on the face of the earth. I'm not being racist. has nothing to do with race. has to do with facts. You're not going to walk in life and be successful and be be full of God and walk as a Christian with love flowing through you if you're going to walk around being negative all the time. If you're going to walk around saying, oh, poor me, they, they didn't, I didn't, oh, man, I just got something. It's because we didn't get our way. We didn't get our way. And so, therefore, we don't like it. Instead of just saying, God, I don't know, I, it didn't go my way, but it didn't make any difference. God, you love me. So what are we going to do? What's the plan of redemption? How do I get in it? How do I, well, we can't get into that because we're still mad because we didn't get our way. And so the devil's got us over here in this little playground running around in crazy torment. And so they're just looking at God and say, God, thank you. Woo, Lord. You're amazing. Your love is stretched out towards me. I'm like Ruth. Lord, you're redeeming me. That woman had a hard time. Lost her husband. She's out picking up grain in the field. But, oh, wait a minute. Now she's found Boaz. So Boaz looks at her integrity and says, man, that's an amazing, that's an amazing person right there. So then... In, in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded the young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain fall out of the bundles, fall purposely for her. Leave it so that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. <laughs> He's saying, come on, guys, listen to me. I like that girl's an awesome person, but we don't want to. She's wanting to work, and just make sure you just rip a little on the sack. And so she'll get it, okay? God's always going to provide. And it says that she gleaned that day, and it was about an eighth of barley. And if you look that up, you know, it's hard to know about all the measurements and stuff like that. Basically, it was a five-gallon bucket. That we understand. It weighed about 30 pounds. She got her a five-gallon bucket of barley. Now, then I went and did a little research to see about how many. Uh, I was trying to come up with something real ingenious here. Okay, but it was 30 pounds of barley. If you took a cup of rice and it was a cooked rice, you get about a half of a pound out of a, uh, one cup of rice. So I don't know. How do you, you know, if they ate it morning, noon, and night, some, some things I looked at said it was 10 days worth of food, but she was doing it every day in the barley harvest. In other words, she's doing pretty good. From having nothing to a five-gallon bucket of barley. But see, she didn't care. She didn't say, well, look, why do I even have to come out to the field? Can you just have your guys take it to my house? <laughs> and see, that's what a lot of Christians want to do. You know, Lord, <clears throat> if you could just deliver this to me, FedEx or UPS, either way, don't matter. We're not willing to put forth the effort. <laughs> see, I really believe that something's going to happen on the earth. That's going to cause people, either you are, going to, you are going to become the most solid rock. I mean, you're going to want to get a bed sheet and cut a hole in it and wear it as a robe, Christian. You're going to bring out the big family Bible because you want to know. Hello? 
anybody says anything, you know, so I'm a Christian. There's no, I just tell you, people are going to start getting right. I believe we're going to get, I believe your seats are all going to get messed up. I believe you're going to come in here, and if you come in here late, you ain't going to get a seat. I believe we're going to have to do something. I don't know what. And figured it out. The Lord hadn't told me. I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to go plan something and do something if God hadn't told me about it. But I just believe you, you're not going to get a seat. You back row Christians are going to have to find that you're going to have to come to the front row. Only seats there. No place to hide. I do have to admit, for those of you in the, the, the farther away section, I have sat back there before, and it is kind of comfortable. You can just sit back there and kind of, you feel like you're not, you feel like you've disappeared. But I see you. So let me wrap this up. Chapter 4, verse 9. So Boaz says, look, I want to redeem. I want, to, I want Ruth to be my wife. I want to redeem her. And all the land that belonged to her family, I want to buy it. But there was somebody that was in line first. So Boaz goes to him with all the elders, and he says, You're a witness this day that I have brought all this to Imelech and all that was Chilion's and Mehalon's from the hand of Naomi. So he buys everything. He gets the guy. They do this shoe trading thing. The first thing, see, this is what gets me. Okay, they all wear a sandal, so I guess it doesn't make any difference in flip-flops. But can you imagine doing business and, and what, you know, you're a nine and a half and the guy was a 12? You don't change boots. Hello? Anyway, that's a whole nother thought. What I want you to see is God. So now Boaz buys it all. So now Boaz is going to marry Ruth. She went from nothing. She didn't, Naomi didn't say, hey, look, come on back with me. And there is a rich cat that's in our family. And if you go get all prettied up, you know, you're pretty good looking. We'll go do some mud bath treatments and some, put some cantaloupes on your eyes or something, you know, and we'll get you all looking good. And then, you know, you can go by and we'll go out in the grain fields and you can do the little hula and, and maybe, maybe you can entice Boaz, right? None of that happened. She basically told Ruth, you're going to come back with me. It's going to be terrible. We're basically poor. Just coming back, going to be just poor paupers out here. But God had a plan. See, that's what I'm telling you right now. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan to do something with your life and to redeem everything you've lost, every hurt, every pain, every loss. God has something there. If you'll just stay with him, just stay with him. Follow your heart and let God lead you and just go glean some fields and pick up some barley and do whatever you got to do because God has something out there that he wants to redeem you because he's got a purpose for you. So here's the kicker. Ruth had a scar on her of incest. Y'all with me? Poor, but God. Everybody say, but God. In the book of Ruth, the very last verse, Chapter 4, verse 22, it tells the lineage of what the children that came from Ruth. And it says, and Obed was part of that lineage who begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Ruth was, you know, the great-great-grandmother of King David. He took a girl whose whole tribe had a scar on it. 
Maybe she had all this. She, she, I mean, I don't remember which one she was married to, Chilion or the other guy. But whoever her husband was, maybe she thought he was the, you know, the king, the stud daddy, man. She loved him, going to provide for her good. And then he dies. Maybe all her dreams were gone. I don't, uh, she had to. I mean, you know, there's nothing there. But she, oh, my goodness, did she make the right choice. She said, as for you, I'm going to go follow you. And your God is going to be my God. And I want to give you one last verse. Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God wants to do more than you could even say out of your mouth. His plan of redemption for you is bigger than all that you could imagine. If you had gone to Ruth and said, look, uh, God wants to provide for you. What would you like? And she may have just said, I just want to, I'll take one of the servants as a husband. And, and as long as he's nice to me, doesn't beat me and I'll cook for him. And I, I just had a little house, there's a roof over my head and a, and a place for my mother-in-law to stay. No, no, no. God's plan was, you're going to marry the wealthy individual. You're going to be, you're going to sire King David, who out of that lineage is going to come the Lord Jesus and going to redeem the whole world. Wow! Can you imagine that? That is the story of exceedingly, abundantly, beyond you could ever think or ask. So when you're praying and you're saying, Oh God, can you just do this for me? I want you to know, God has a plan of redemption. He wants to do greater than you could ever even imagine. He's got things that He wants to do, but He's got to do a few things. First off, you've got to choose Him, that He is real. Second thing is, you've got to get rid of quit saying and talking about that scar on your life. Quit being a victim. You're not a Mobitus. Quit identifying with it. Well, I identify with those people. I identify with Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, blood-washed, faith-filled Christians. That's who I identify with. You want to know my pronoun? It's what it is. I'm a Holy Ghost Christian. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's my pronoun. And I identify as us, the one who wins. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? We've got to rise up. We, sing, we used to sing an old song, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Oh, let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise. And that's what's going to happen. It's time for Christians to rise up and let God arise and realize that we have a redemptive plan. God already has a plan to redeem the United States. Are we going to function with it? He has a plan to redeem you. He has a plan to redeem the church. He does. He has a plan to redeem the world. He has a plan. It's already set up. Are we going to participate with it? Are we going to get in the middle of it? Are we going to rise up and say, God, you love me? God, you love me. I praise you, Lord, you love me. Is that what we're going to do? Or are we going to be just... Look like we've been sucking on lemons, all drawed up and prune-faced and, you know, had to put a pork chop on the side of our face, get the dog to come play with us, you know? <laughs> hey, man, I want to quit on that. Santa, <laughs> and feel myself about to get in some serious trouble. If you're watching, you're in here, listen, or you're listening to this broadcast, I want you to understand. Hear the word of the Lord that he's saying to you today. He loves you. 
And there's nowhere you can flee. There's nothing too wrong. There's no scar upon your life that could be too great that he will not redeem you. But you have to make the first choice. You have to turn and cry out and say, God, I want you in my life. You've got to call upon the name of Jesus and ask him to come into your life. And right wherever you are, listening to this, the sound of my voice, you can just pray and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me whole again. And right there, Jesus, the Spirit of God, will touch you and save you. If you're in here and listen to me, you're questioning your salvation, this is not a day and time to be messing around with that. If my prayer team people can come down, listen to me. They're here for you to pray with you. I don't give standard kind of altar calls. I don't, I don't try to, 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 I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just trying to tell you that the truth of the matter is you need to know that you're right with God. If you question that you, you hope you're right with God, if that would be your answer. One time I asked a man, listen to me, one time I asked a man, I said, I said, if you die, I said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And he said, well, I hope so. And he was serious. And I said, mm, hold on, that's not good enough. You hope so. Do you know so? Well, God, can anybody really know? Yes, you really can know. Because the Bible is, the, is truth. And it says that if you will confess with your mouth and you'll believe in your heart and that faith inside of you will kick in and you grab hold of Jesus, well, then you will be saved. The Spirit of God will come to live on the inside of you. So you should never question. You shouldn't say, I hope so. No. These are days and times where we need to know so. Amen? But listen to me. I want to pray for the rest of you. So they're here to pray for you. And, and, and if you don't know, you need to come talk to them at, in the church. But listen, i got to pray for you. Because some of you this morning, you may be like Ruth. You may be saying you're a Mobitis, that you came from this. This is who you are because that's what you came from. Listen to me. I want God to set you free today. I want the Spirit of God to touch you, and you know today that you're loved by God, that you know today that you can't go anywhere from his presence. You know today that, that, that anything and everywhere you've been, he wants to redeem it bless you. Those are the ones who I want to pray for, okay? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And if that's you, if you're watching, you're in here, you're listening, then get your faith going right now and grab hold of this prayer. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, you have such a great plan for us. I thank you, Lord, people that have identities like now, like they've tried to put on Ruth, I just thank you, Lord, that that's what they think about themselves. They, they, they think, well, I came from, from uneducated people. No, no, Lord, I thank you that today you break those chains in their life. You break those yokes off of their life. Today, Lord God, like Ruth, they turn and they say, you are my God. You are the one that set me free. I believe in you. I trust in you, and I'm going to walk with you. And, Lord, that they are set free from that identity, set free, Lord God, from that scar upon their life, that no longer will they even uh, uh, have those thoughts, Lord, or those feelings, because they're set free from their past right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just declare over them <clears throat> that, Lord, they feel your love. They feel your, your goodness upon them. And then in these days ahead, Lord God, they're going to walk and they're going to feel your love and know that no matter what's going on in their life, that you have a plan. You're going to take them through it. You're going to redeem them. 
It's going to be better than they could ever imagine because that's what you said, Lord, exceedingly, abundantly beyond we could even thank or ask. So, Lord, I praise you for that, and I thank you for it. So bless them today, Lord. Let them see this. Let them have this message in their hearts. Let them take it and show it to their friends, Lord God, and help them to be free. And, Lord, we give you praise for it. We thank you for blessing them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you up front. Even if you just need to pray for somebody else, we're here to pray for you.